0: Hey everybody welcome back to the show got something a little bit unique for you today me and dan talked about scouting hill country in this episode and it was a really visual episode because me and dan actually uh, pulled up a hill country map on the live show on youtube and pointed out some areas that we would look some terrain features we liked in hill country and i felt like the listener of this uh, episode probably wouldn't get as much out of it as a viewer of the episode so I, I'm going to upload this video via um, uh, an mp4 or a, a video format so that if you guys are able to you can actually you know, watch this wherever you're um, listening to these podcasts on and I hope you guys get something out of it, it was a really good episode something else I have to announce is we picked up uh, a handful of Partners for the show, um, that being Hunting Beast Gear, of course, uh, Stealth Strips, and Exodus, which is not uh, abnormal for you guys to hear me talk about those three companies. But we also picked up uh, Ossio Gear um, over the past couple weeks. I've got to know Joe Miles, and he's a big fan of what we're doing. Really wanted to support us and reached out uh, to to see what he could do to help, and we kind of worked out a deal. And um, I'm excited about it he makes a good product and it's a he's a he's a good uh good guy and a good good hunter so i have linked all of those companies down in the description of the the podcast here go check them out if you guys are in the market for something something new uh this coming year any of those companies i have faith in and i think you'll be happy with their their products okay with that let's get to the episode Hey everybody. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the show. I feel like we haven't been on here for a while. It's been since like, whatever, last Thursday. I No, last Wednesday. It's just a long weekend. Yeah, I know it. Yep. Um, I didn't
1: recover till today.
0: I know. Uh, it, we didn't get home Sunday night until like, uh, I don't know, one in the morning. So uh, yesterday was kind of a, a dr- drug around a little bit. But I don't know if you guys noticed, I made a new intro. We finally got everything worked out with some partners on the the show. And that's kind of what it's going to be is just that little um, montage of logos you saw there. Um, But I also have their links down in the description. So they're supporting us and helping us make this thing possible. So if you guys want to go check Osseo or um, Stealth Outdoors, Beast Gear, Exodus, links to those guys are down in the description what is like dan whenever you're like considering a sponsor which you've had very few in the past like what's your criteria for that just so everybody's like they don't want anything and they'll give me everything and i like them
1: (laughs) yeah so many sponsors out there want to give me everything don't want anything in return and uh, i like you we can work together Uh, actually uh, you know i get approached a lot um you saw that at the show i mean there's just a ton of people from the different booths uh company owners and stuff approaching me and what i really work with is uh people who um have a product that i want to use it is something i i use or want to use and yep. um, it doesn't influence how i hunt like i'm not forcing myself to do something and uh It doesn't change anything about me. I just use it. I use the product because I like it, and if I like the product, I'll talk about it. So it's not really even a sponsor. It's just that uh, you know you you partner up with somebody that you like. I think a lot of young guys and stuff and people getting into this uh, uh, field think that they haven't made it till they have a sponsor. I mean, you can almost see it in their posts and stuff and their their videos. I mean, where they're like, yeah, you know, like. I remember a certain guy from Canada when he uh he had a muzzle loader, and all he did for five years was talk about how great that muzzle loader was, and one day you turn it on, he's using a different muzzle loader, and that's the greatest muzzle loader now, because they paid him more money. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like lying to people. I don't like being dishonest, and that's not what we're about. Um yeah. I make money in other ways. I don't need to make them from sponsors and don't want to. I don't want to taint what I'm doing. I want it to stay fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. Uh, I mean, I'm not not far from you there on all that stuff. Um, I had to like like the guys, like everybody that helps me with this show. It's they're really good people and uh, friends with them all, you know. Uh, and then you they... know, back when I
1: uh, I first started doing shows,
0: do shows and such, mm-hmm.
1: I can remember being approached by some very big names in the industry. I'm not yeah. going to name who they are because it would uh, make a lot of waves. But they told me I had to knock it off with the scent control stuff, had to stop talking about that because, you know, I was getting involved in TV shows and stuff at the time. And they're like, there's going to be a point where you're going to need money uh, to, you know, do your show. And you're going to need money from every industry is what they told me. And back Mm -hmm. in those days, you didn't have YouTube. Right. All you had was a TV show, you know. And if you, in a TV show, a spot could cost as much as a quarter of a million dollars, which is more then than it is now. You yeah. try to get sponsors to give you a quarter of a million dollars. So you had to have several sponsors. So what they told me was that uh, several of these real big guys that are still selling scent control stuff like you wouldn't believe, told me that they don't believe it either. That it's all hogwash and the sprays don't work and the, the suits don't work and none of that works, but they use it because it pays their, it pays their bills. Yeah, And when I look around and I talk to people and I see how brainwashed they are about scent control and stuff, and you think, that's because people are lying to them. I don't want to yeah. use a product and tell people it's great if it's not. Yeah, You know as well as I do that there was a recent company that offered me a very, very large paycheck for a good product, and I didn't take it because of morals. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess the biggest thing for me is like, and I've everybody you see that helps with this show. Now I've had this conversation with him and it's like, I am not going to sit here and tell people that, you know, Exodus is the absolute best and the only way to go. And it helped me kill this giant deer. Or Osseo camo is the only thing that works and they got the best, you know, all this It's like, no, I don't like, I, I like you guys. Cause you like me and you support what we're doing. And, and that's like enough for me. You know, it doesn't that that's it. Um no. And I, mean, I think, companies uh-huh. that are uh, a lot of companies are good with that now like they they see the value in that type of a partnership instead of this you know i couldn't have done this without my blow and blow bow or you know whatever the case may be uh-huh. it's like it's not that's a lie you know um, right. you don't need any of this crap it's just it is what it is right um and i think any of the people that partner with us here would agree with all that you know or if they wouldn't have if, you know they we wouldn't have been. They you look at me. To be I won't here. even,
1: I won't even, you know, I'm a product manufacturer myself and yeah. I won't push my stuff down people's throats.
0: Right. You
1: know, right. Just
0: it is. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> if uh, uh, they've got like, we got two news stories to talk about um, tonight, and we'll get, we'll go to the first one because it's, uh, I don't know, it's the, the more lighthearted one here. Let me share my screen here. I'm sure. By now, everybody has seen this, but, did Dan, did you see this little three-year-old boy found this buck helping his guy? Yeah,
1: grandpa? I did. I had uh, several people um, sent me that uh, video,
0: and uh, that is one hell of a buck. Yeah, 276 and 4 is what it scored. Hard to believe uh, grandpa couldn't
1: uh, see that <laughs> for, the, for that little guy.
0: Uh, yeah. Or if he was, like, playing around in a creek or something and found it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a big deer. That's Can you imagine Huck,
1: Huck going, Dad, Dad, look. Oh. You'd crap yourself.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the story behind it or anything. I haven't done much research on it. Uh, I don't know if they knew about it or any of that kind of stuff.
1: In a lot but, of places, that'd be a state record for archery.
0: Oh, yeah. Pretty easily, I think. There's not very many deer that, I mean, 278, that's way, or 276, that's way uh, up there. That's a BTR score, though. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. There's Either way, though. Yeah. Either way, it's a unbelievable deer. Golly, man. Um. Luckily, that kid found it. Yeah. Pretty good condition and everything, too. It's good. To send me phone. It got all chewed to hell. Right. Which yeah, I think happens to a lot of them. They just disintegrate into the ground. Um. All right. Something else. Uh, we uh, Dan actually sent me this. It was a uh, it was a pretty big news story back in September when it happened, and it's getting. I think the the two guys that did it are going to trial right now, or or uh, getting sentenced soon. Um. But the. If you guys remember back in September, there was a couple of walleye tournament fishermen that essentially got caught cheating. The the walleye they caught did not look the size that they were weighing in, and the the yeah, it was, like, or, it
1: was like a fifteen inch, thirty two pound walleye.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's exactly how it was, but yeah, the, yeah, the, something like that. Yeah, and they cut up the they cut open the belly, and it was uh, they had a bunch of like weights wrapped in fillets inside the fish those guys are getting ready to get yeah uh, actually
1: ends. uh they're lucky they made it out of there alive there were some pretty angry people oh there.
0: man did you, did you see remember, the...
1: those tournaments are worth a lot of money yeah a lo- big dollars and yeah. those guys were getting cocky like they kept winning tournaments yeah. where were normally those guys are all on a pretty equal playing field and you win one every now and then and you you know you rank but how do they keep winning and they were getting cocky and they're they're uh on the going on the lake and doing little selfie videos uh and posting them saying uh um this is why we win because we're the best, nobody's better than us, and, and posting stuff like that because they already knew they were gonna win because they're gonna just fill
0: everything up with lead. Yeah. Oh, they said they had uh that summer they were like known for having the the luckiest streak on Lake Erie or wherever they were so far. They'd oh. won like they'd won a bunch of like a boat and tens of thousands of dollars uh, in cash. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, man. to give the in order to get out of felonies, I think they uh, had to give the boat back.
0: Yeah, I imagine. I, uh, did you see those guys whenever they cut all them fishermen? How like they were, they were about ready to.
1: Oh, I think they're ready I, to kill them.
0: Oh, yeah. It was pretty funny. Like they're just, you hear a bunch of cuss words like coming out of the crowd and. Uh, I might be wrong there. They might
1: have still got felonies, but it, they did something like they escaped uh, some charges or something for uh, for giving the boat back. But you think yeah. they would just demand they give the, the boat back? I mean, yeah, were, either way, false pretense, you know. Or, yeah, but I guess probably the boat wasn't won on that trip because they were disqualified in that one. It's probably won on a previous yeah. one, right? So it's probably already in their possession. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was but that's yeah, just nasty people. I mean, to do that to other people that are trying so hard, you know, it's just flat out cheating. Yeah.
0: I, I'm really glad that there's nothing um, that serious as far as the competition goes with, with hunting. Like, well,
1: there kind of is, just... I mean, uh, you know, as well as I do, there's a well-known uh, tree stand manufacturer that cheated all kinds of rules. To get, and he had, the well, the rules- most Boone and Crockett's in the book with a bow. And, you know, every time you see that, I've seen that three or four times now. Guys that have gotten to the point where they've got the most Boone and Crockett's with a bow. Yeah. Every one of them has gone down for poaching. Huh. And the guy we were just talking about, uh, I mean, he had all his bucks taken out of the record books, all, all the record books. Yeah. Um, but uh, then there was that uh, other guy, the ghillie suit guy. What was his name? Mark something or whatever. I don't and there know. there was a guy before him.
2: But all those yeah. guys that
1: get real greedy about those trophy bucks, it always turns out they're cheating. I mean, how does a guy, you know, shoot um, world record buck after world record buck? You know, that you just can't.
0: Hmm. I have a friend that uh, has been a member of the Pope and Young forever, and he's a scorer for him. And he he said the same thing actually. He this is you know a couple of years ago we were talking about. And he goes, it just seems like every time someone has these gigantic accolades of where they're they're really Like unbelievably shooting a bunch of uh, Pope and Young deer, uh, you know, or or Boone and Crockett, whatever. That it seems like they get knocked off their high horse. Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: When a guy when a guy wins so many walleye contests in a in a a row that you you're like, wow, is that guy lucky? It's probably not so much what's going on there. Yeah. Yep. Cause there is a little uh, luck that plays into all of that. It's like that, that buck, that kid shot. I, I mean, found that you just showed, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime thing. If it happens every other week, you know, there's something going on. Yeah. Right.
0: And you know, I like, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Like there's definitely, um, um, and others, if you want to call them sports, like you got, it's a level playing field, you know, it's like everybody's playing on the same basketball court, everybody's playing, but mm-hmm. so there can be like a greatest ever, uh, in a sport, you know, but in hunting and fishing, it's like, I don't know, it's, that's it, harder to do, you know, yeah. to, and when someone seems to really get crazy with, uh, shooting tons and tons of Boone and crockets or, you know, holding multiple state records, like, you know, how almost impossible it is to go out of your own state and kill the, the record there. Like, it's like, man, mm-hmm. that's a rough, that's hard to do. Uh, yeah. not saying people couldn't do it. It definitely could happen, but, um. I don't know. It's interesting. You're not the only person that's told me that that's involved in that kind of stuff, I guess. So. Yeah. I guess what I was meaning is like I'm glad that we don't have like like formal competitions for like who yeah. can kill the biggest buck this this week or.
1: It's like like sometimes you know. I'll get people to get pissed cuz we do those like uh challenges yeah. uh, and they're not getting it because it's a friendly competition. We actually help everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about like Mm-hmm. you win you know you're on espn
1: your car up against somebody or some money yeah or, you know, yeah win a yeah i don't yeah. like that yeah i, I mean just like it. i remember back when i was young you know um i joined contests and stuff because i thought it was cool
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know i was like 18 or 20 or whatever yeah and i kept winning them and all that got me was everybody accusing me of poaching and stuff and it just seemed like a dirty world and probably half of them were poaching you know mm-hmm. so I just quit entering any into any contest because it wasn't fun for some people. It seemed like whether or not they ranked in that contest was a big deal. You know, to me, it was just something like a bonus. You're out there and you know, and it was something fun to do. And I, uh, I got such a bad taste in my mouth. I never got into uh, a contest again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't so much have a problem with like your big buck pole at your work or something. I'm just talking about like, like yeah, a it's a little different between,
1: between buddies. I mean, yeah. I've gotten to where everybody puts five bucks in at work or something.
0: And... Yeah. Yeah. I used to at an old company I used to work for, they would they do that where you it, it was by weight though. It wasn't by antler size, it was by your head to your buck yeah. had to be weighed. It we just filled um, up with lead balls. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh that's funny. Anyway, that's a... Uh, those are two new stories we wanted. To, we wanted to talk about one good one and one one bad one. i will be interested to see what those guys end up getting sentenced. I think their sentence is coming up. So, That'd
1: be, yeah, uh... they've been getting stricter and stricter with uh with uh, poaching and outlaws and stuff. Have you seen some of the fines that they give to people for um, trophy bucks now? Places oh, yeah. like uh, I think Ohio was doing it. I think I saw that in their booth. They were charging based on the score of the animal.
0: Yep. Yeah, there was some. They had them like uh, different mounts up there. And then they had underneath the mount how much the fine was for the those particular bucks.
1: I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily like that either, though, because uh, you, you know I don't think it's any better that somebody poaches does or spikes, yeah, know, or, or small bucks rather than big ones. If they poach, they
0: poach. Yeah. Yep. It always, I think the state's logic is it's with intent, you know. With um, intent
1: of you know, you're getting some trophy. Yeah, feed. right. But I mean, it gets a, even though I'm very much against poaching, uh, it just seems a little excessive when they give somebody a hundred and some thousand dollar fine because of the size of the buck.
0: Yeah, right. Unless it's like a, unless you've got a consecutive, you know, there's some like big operations they've busted that, been going on for ten yeah, years if it's an
1: outfitter or somebody who's in the industry. Yeah. Uh, somebody who films for a living or something, I could see them busting somebody like that a little better because uh those people lead by example.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um I don't know. I don't know what I go back and forth on that. Like I see their logic and then I see your logic too. I don't know what the right answer is. You know, I could see
1: um, ten grand or something and you know some jail time or something. And, yeah but I I think uh, you know you can get some twenty-year-old kid. It makes a mistake. Yeah. Um, not saying it's right. right or it's wrong. It's wrong as hell. But right. I think the the best uh, the best thing you can do to a poacher that's shooting big bucks is put his name in every single magazine out there, every publication, every sports thing.
0: Almost like a. Like in the paper when you see like the jail, the, the mm-hmm. jail list or the um, headshots. <laughs> yeah. I think mm-hmm. when you do that,
1: you embarrass those people because those people are out. Um, you know, if you're shooting really big bucks like that, the reason you're doing it is for bragging rights. Mm-hmm. So the people that are doing that, I, I think putting them all over the newspapers and all over the magazines like that is what really uh, teaches them a lesson. I think they would rather pay the $100,000 fine. Honestly. Yeah
0: yeah maybe so i know uh that guy i can't remember his name now but he got caught shooting two bucks in indiana on on uh uh you know on a show or something he was a show guy i can't remember oh, his yeah, name, yeah i though. know what you're talking about yeah. 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 yeah yeah that that video surfaced of him shooting him two bucks one or after the other and he is, was a cameraman was, yeah yeah and he was being a jerk to his cameraman too yeah, um, I
1: mean, and the sad part is that's the only reason the cameraman turned him in is because the guy was a jerk. Yeah, but, I think uh, so. the cameraman should have turned him in right away or just told him you're going to have to do the right thing. Right. You know, yeah. if I was him for somebody and they're about to shoot a second buck, I'd be what, what What the hell are you doing? Right. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. It seemed, it seemed like he didn't care until uh, until he got fired or something happened between him and the uh, hunter. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Somebody's probably Chris Brackett. That's who it was. Yeah. So I can't remember enough. Uh, you know. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was that was ugly. That was bad. But uh, yeah, especially since, like, I don't know, that, that, that type of poaching is more eerie to me. Like, you killed an, another buck, like, on top of, you know, you're taking even more of the resource away from the uh, other hunters, you know, if you're killing more than what you're uh, allowed to that's that's irritating to me you know um i could see a guy that uh you know if you get caught doing whatever but you only took one of the one bucks at least you're not taking other resources away from um someone else that could have shot that buck but not not if it's right it's all still not good you know but all right i want to talk about uh, hill country dan this is going to be a uh, continuation of our series we're doing on different terrain features. So we've got mountains under our belt. We got uh, swamps and marshes under our belt. Now we're going to do hill country. Maybe uh, next week we'll do farm country. Um, so Dan, me and you both have hunted a decent amount of hills in in the past. How how do you go about like scouting? Um, Hills? Like, where would you tell people, like, if someone asked a question on here, getting ready to go to Hills tomorrow to do some scouting, going to look at a map tonight, what should I look for?
1: There's a few things I look for. The main thing is, uh, is leeward side ridges, the top mm. third of leeward side ridges, um, and the points and knobs and, uh, terrain features along them ridges that consistently hold bedding. Um, I want to be near those because I figure that's where you're going to have the most daylight movement. Um, the second one is, um, you know, where you get thick above and you get open below. They love sitting on that downwind, but again, it's leeward. But thicker areas, the the downwind edge of it, um, they really love that if if it's thick above, and you get that in a lot of uh, hill country, especially if they do logging, because mm-hmm. a lot of times they if they got excessive timber, they'll just log the tops and the side hills stay open and and mature. Um, I've seen that quite a bit. Um, The third one is the overlook stuff. Once again, uh, when you get that ridge right over the top of the parking lot where everybody's going to follow the path back and not go straight up the hill alongside the road, those spots in a couple of different places have been real good to me.
0: Yeah. uh, I can echo that. I, I shot a butt. I don't know it's been a, quite a few years ago now but um it was down a uh, the road there was there's a main gravel road that runs through the private or the public land that uh, uh, the hills are on and like if you look down to the left it's like a it's like it's just a straight drop and then there goes up to another valley and the parking lot's at the end of the road and nobody ever hunts along the edge of that road and i killed a pretty nice buck yeah it has it's probably six or seven, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember now, but um, yeah, that's been, been really good to me too. Um, Something else in Hill Country, at least around here that has been uh, successful for me is like finding little spots um, behind like these little farms or little farmhouses that go back into, you know, the public a little bit. It seems like sometimes, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, the farmer didn't sell the land of the state or something. And there's like these little pockets of just little houses and stuff and old r- rundown farms that go back in there. Those, are, I've found some pretty good stuff there too. Um, yeah. So I was going to pick your brain a little bit about you're talking about Leeward ridges. Um, like if you got a typically a, a West wind or predominantly West wind for um, most of your season, I mean, do you, do you never look on the the west side of a, a ridge at all?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, the, the bedding on the leeward sides ain't always. Um, there's yeah. still fine spots to bed on the uh, windward side. Um, but the majority is on the uh, leeward side. But you can have other terrain features, other things. Like uh, you can have uh, um, a thermal tunnel or a th- uh, thermal hub. That's on the windward side, and they'll still bed there because of the the way the wind goes through the the hub. You can yeah. have uh, a point where they can get around the side, and the swirling wind will come backlash to them and uh, give them the right wind uh, to detect danger. You can get a spot where they can get up against the end of a point, and it's open on the top, and they bed a little higher, and they watch the axis coming down the point at them like they do doing a swamp. Um, so you you got to look at it more than just as hill country. You got to look at it as if it were um, um, farm country. You got to look at it as if it were swamp, as if it were marsh, because the same, that's the reason you got to learn all those terrains. Because some of the things you learn in marsh are still going to apply to hills. Yeah. Some of the things you learn in a swamp are still going to apply to hills. Some of the things you learn on a farm are going to apply to hills. And sometimes even the hills mix with those terrains. So, um, yeah, you still look at that stuff. It's just the majority of it I find on the uh, Leeward side. Yeah.
0: That's like the um, – it's funny you mention that because, like, that buck I killed in Ohio, the reason I was going to that spot was the there's a clear cut, uh, you know, on top of a, a ridge, and that clear cut made a point. Like, it made a point like it does in, in swamps or marshes. And uh, it just was another feature that was on this point that I thought – good you know made it made it a even better spot for a buck to be um something else that you mentioned in the seminars this weekend is um is finding those little um overlooked like bedding areas in the on the ridges now you know what i'm talking about yep those little hubs
1: and those little tiny micro points
0: micro points that's what you call them yeah and really, the only good way of finding those, I mean, you can see them on a map sometimes, but sometimes you just got to, you just got to put your boots on the yeah. ground and start start walking.
1: Like you said, sometimes you can put it at like a uh, 10 foot elevation, but even then, sometimes you can miss some of that stuff. Sometimes it just doesn't show.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and we,
1: when you get yeah. in there and walk it, you see it plain as day.
0: Mm-hmm. And what you mean by 10 foot elevation is the uh, elevation lines on a, on a top of right. a map. are closer together. Yeah. Make sure they're closer together so that you can see more details in the in the hills you know you know uh, uh, if you turn it to terrain sometimes you can pick that stuff out too yeah
1: so mapping system uh sometimes won't show it but terrain will because i think terrain yeah. they actually do something where they uh measure the land so it shows the stuff a little better than the topo sometimes yeah um it can be funny though in and out changes the the look of it
0: you right I'm gonna to try to pull up a uh, hill topo here let me see if I can get it up here um, I don't know if we can find the um the 3d looking stuff I don't know what exactly that's called but let me share my screen for everybody. Oh, terrain.
1: Most of the mapping systems I look at, they call that terrain.
0: Hmm. There's the Cal Topo. Hmm.
1: What do you have on the right? Satellite? satellite. Oh, yeah. It's showing the shadows really well in that particular area. Yeah, it
0: is, isn't it? Yeah, you can almost probably, see yeah, the...
1: Probably because it's like mountainous, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is like, this is down in western or eastern Kentucky, I think. Okay. But, hey, where is that?
1: Look for terrain.
0: Doesn't it say terrain some I don't think so. Huh. Oh, terrain. There it is. There you go.
1: Now you'll be able to see it. That's what I was talking about, yeah. terrain. Yeah.
0: So, so that image you got
1: right there, you can kind of see stuff a little better.
0: Yeah. Let's try to find a. um...
1: Trouble is, it doesn't let you zoom real close.
0: No, it doesn't, does it? I got to be about like right there. Yeah. To see some of like the little micro. Like there might be like one right here you can kind of see. um, Yeah. Little micro points. But this is really cool. Go full screen once.
1: Now, see if you can zoom a little closer. Well, sure. a little bit. You can kind of see one uh, just above your marker.
0: Like right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was pointing out, I think. Yeah. It's just a little like blimp on the in your taco lines. And those oftentimes will be really good places for bucks to bed that are off the beaten path. And I think your point was that like a lot of people now are, you know, caught on to these like main points that you see here. And if you can right. find these little bitty, little bitty micro points that come off sometimes those bucks can
1: and sometimes you're a little lower on the hills
0: right right yeah another thing is is like military crest that you may not be able to see here on the on a topo map um and i don't know can you kind of explain what military like what a military crest is dan so
1: the top of the hill is the very highest elevation right then yeah. it, it's kind of a rounded, gradual slope going downhill. But there's a point where all of a sudden the hill takes a sharp drop and where it takes that sharp drop is called the military crest. Not all hills have that. I noticed when mm-hmm. I you know, scouted some areas, um, the more rolling hills don't have a military crest, um, but, uh, a lot of your steeper landscapes do. And it's where that sharp drop-off is. And what happens is the wind follows that roll of the contour, that slow roll of the hill. And that that sharp drop-off is right where that wind goes over that that ledge. And -hmm. it's also right where the thermal meets it. And that's where that uh, mixing zone is, where the uh, tumbling uh, wind is, where where the uh, thermal meets the wind. Yeah. And that's where they like the bed and it's also where they like to cruise when they're looking for does because they can smell top and bottom.
0: Yep. Um I thought about something we could do tonight is maybe we could just like pick some of these areas out on these maps on these uh um these terrain maps and maybe we could just like talk about how we would probably set up on them and okay. just think about, you know, like you always say, think about sight, sound and wind and and see if we can create some scenarios that people can learn from then let me put this back up here all right let's see here dan where would you think a good point would be for a a buck might want to live
1: so i'd probably in in this neighborhood i'd be looking for uh, a northwest wind which would be yep. making me uh, look at certain slopes so um, if you go above that creek, yeah, the points that go north and south, huh, the right hand side of them, the shaded side, like the shadowed side, like right here. Yeah, it's kind of the leeward side on that one and then the next one and the next one over.-huh. Good ridges for for those winds. And obviously all those little small um, pockets because you got a lot of deep draws on all yeah. those hills would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So um, it ain't necessarily a whole ridge. But I like those long ridges like that because um, uh, the one you pointed at first,
0: um, yeah. yeah,
1: if you had any kind of westerly wind, whether it was northwest, southwest, any kind of westerly wind, that'd be a great cruising spot for a, a buck. And it would also be a good bedding spot. And you'd get does and bucks and stuff bedding in there. Yeah, as you'd have to go in there and find the beds. It doesn't have a lot of features on that particular spot. It doesn't.
0: I was getting ready to say that. It Um,
1: does. Point that's towards the top that comes out and has like a fishtail. Um, right below your hand. See how it's kind of got a forked fishtail there, a catfish tail. Yeah, yeah. That's thing right here. That's got some features on it. Matter of fact, um, if the bucks are bedding on that, which they might be. Right in that armpit would be a good spot to set up. Um, back a little bit towards the ridge, right in there, someplace would
0: be. Yeah. Good. So you're thinking like, if like there's like it's like there's like a little micro point right here to me, mm-hmm. or something going on right here. Um, is the only reason you're thinking this right here is because it's like a little pinch that you could set up. there you know,
1: I, I could see the bucks moving towards the uh, the tops going that way. Yeah. If it was going uphill, I could see them going right through that little pinch point. Yeah. Um, no, Scouting would tell me. I mean you right. see something, whatever. Right. That maybe I there's would,
0: some white oaks up here or something. I would imagine he's going
1: anywhere up that ridge. Anywhere to that stuff that's above that ridge. Yeah. We'd follow that side hill to that armpit and then over.
0: Like like here's how I would here's how I see them do a lot. Like if they're bedding right here. Yeah. I, ho- I hope you guys can all see this okay. I know it's I just wanted to zoom in. The, a lot of times they'll like side hill up around the top, and then once they get gets up here to these little pinches they'll kind of cut up and have to go around the pinch it seems like a lot of times they don't like to be up on the very top right maybe, exactly. maybe that's what you just maybe that's, that's what, you what i just was saying said. it's
1: in the armpit yeah there should be okay, a trail yeah. on that that's got yeah the, that's got a rub line going back to yeah those
0: yeah guys anytime you have like something that like, cuts in like this there's going to be like a funnel right here that deer have to go around it um mm-hmm. They, this, these are usually like super steep and a lot of times like they're rocky or something. Like, it's just not a real good place for deer to want to walk up to. So there's a, there's always almost like a, I mean, it, it'll be like worn to the ground trail sometimes that go around these things that all the deer have to funnel up through it. Whereas like some of these like more steady, uh, ridges that go up, you know, this is like a little, you know, a little cut right here. It's, but I, I could see a deer be able to just walk up that with no problem. Um, yeah, so I guess Dan, like some reasons they would come up because there's always like this thing in hill country. Which way are they going to go? Are they going to go up top? Are they going to drop down in the bottom? Mm-hmm. Um, in your mind, what would be some reasons that they would end up coming up here?
1: Ah, uh, when the oaks are dropping. Yeah, the the oaks up high. I believe uh, I think those are the first ones to drop. Yeah, um, the white oaks usually are. Yeah. So pal- um, palatable. Early. Early in the season I would see them going up for sure. Uh mm-hmm. later in the season, if the if the uh ones down low um drop later or whatever, um then maybe they're gonna drop. Maybe if there's some sign down there, some food down there, maybe there's yeah. some uh, crops along that creek or some more brushy stuff in the woods is mature, I would yeah. see them onto the creeks. Um, ideally you get in there this time of the year you look at the bed and you look at the trails coming out of it and then you know if they drop they rise or they do yeah
0: yeah yep. in indiana we see a lot of like uh set up kind of like this where you'll have this drainage through here and all these little you know thermal hubs or whatever and then like down here it would be like a private crop field like down in here somewhere yep. you know it seems like Some places are opposite. Some places, like in western Wisconsin, it seemed like some of the crops were up top.
1: Yeah, that's a lot Um, of that in western Wisconsin. You get in in both places in western Wisconsin, but I noticed that you're, by you, a lot of the hills were all wooded and the the, um, fields were all down low. And it wasn't the same kind of woods as the hill country in Wisconsin, where you had the same kind of hills and stuff, but the hills were small, steep, kind of. It wasn't really flat spots on top of the farm. But the, the valleys were all flat. And low valleys yeah. were all flat. So yeah. the farming was all going down, down low over by mm-hmm. you. Where, uh, like in western Wisconsin, you got flats up top and down below. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it makes farming on both sides. Right, right. Um,
0: yeah, I, um, I'm trying to think of some other things we could – there's a, another thing I was, I'm trying to look for a really good thermal hub is what I'm looking for, Dan, to talk about thermal hubs because mm. we've gotten asked a lot about thermal hubs. So there's like a little one right here, maybe. Um, you wouldn't consider like you don't consider this. This is more of this is like the it's, valley, right? Go, and then like
1: go back up that valley once when you're just in. Yeah, stop there. That's right a thermal here. Hub right there. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's not a real that's big a good, one, but that's thermal hub. Yep. And I'm trying to think. Is there another one that's really? If there's one that's really good, let me try to sneak around real quick. If not, we'll go back to that one.
1: They usually jump out every place. I know. Yeah.
0: Know somebody. Yeah, right. There's usually a hundred of them everywhere. Um, Yeah. This we can do this one. So, can you talk about like the characteristics of what makes this a thermal hub for everybody?
1: Well, it's got multiple points around it that deer can bet on. Mm-hmm. So right where your arrow is now, where it was, move back over, right? There's a point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's a point, right? And then there's a point mm-hmm. below, right? Yep. And they can bet any on any of those side hills too. And right. And if you look at that, that's really set up well for a west wind. Yep. So. over the top of it. So what uh, they can really bet all around that one point to the left, the furthest one to the, yeah, mm-hmm. on any westerly wind. And on a straight north wind, they can bet on the top one. A straight south wind, they can bet on the bottom one. Yep. Um, and they could just get in there on any wind. That's what a buck likes. And anything approaching from below, that wind is going to be swirling in there mm-hmm. like crazy, right? Right. So um, it would be really hard to hunt that without getting your wind in there. You think about where you got your arrow marked right now, right? Mm-hmm. If a buck was bet in there and it was a south wind and that's why he's there, you couldn't really get on that ridge next to him because no matter where you went, your wind would suck down into that valley and then come up on the thermals. Yeah. So even if you you were coming at that from that that point over by the road, see where the road is Mm -hmm. below you, if -hmm. you're right there, you're thinking, okay, my wind is blowing straight up and that buck's way over there. It's an off wind, but not really because it's going to turn and follow that valley. And when it gets down below, there's going to be thermals that pull it right up to him. Yeah. He's going to smell that you're in the area that something's going on. The right. only way you can really hunt that is if he was going straight across and popping up the other side. You could hunt on the other side, um, right? That's what makes that difficult. Is there's just it's just uh, very hard to hunt a feature like that, right? You certainly can't get below, or you're going to get that wind swirling all over the place unless you get a wind that follows that valley straight out to that main cut.
0: Yeah, like in this and case, it had that, it had to yep. be like a perfectly southwest, like a. Just coming yep. right through here. Perfect.
1: And even that, mm-hmm. if you look, right before that gets narrow, it's wide. You see how mm-hmm. narrow right it is? Yeah. So narrow it is at the mouth.
0: Yep.
1: Right here. Yeah, right there. With how narrow it is right there, you're still going to get some tumbling in there. So you can't really get mm-hmm. to the bigger portion of that opening down there. You have to kind of mm-hmm. stay at the mouth if you're down below. Yep. So right. it's really yeah. hard. I mean, I mean, the best way to hunt one of those is to really know exactly where those beds are in there. And understand how they bed based on wind, and look at the trails coming out of those beds. And then when you have the right wind and the right day, you hunt it. And you might have to give up some of the spots, like that spot where the um, where we looked at first. Under where it was like, how do you get at them with a south wind down there? Yeah, you know. So um, looking at those beds and looking at the trails coming out would be the best option for me. Yeah.
0: And so, like, if, so everybody understands, like, if. Like this point right here would be their south wind point, you know, this would be their, their north wind point, and then this would be their west wind point. Um and they're just they're setting up with the wind at their back. They could still bet
1: on that point you're on right now on a south wind or a north wind too. Exactly. Yeah,
0: talk about that real quick.
1: So they'll just get on the side hill. So the point right. they'll there'll be beds all the way around
0: that point. Yep. And, and they'll just rotate go. as the wind. Yeah, from north to south.
1: Straight south or southeast, then they're going to go over that other spot, right? Or you know, you start getting northeast, they're going to go to the one above it, right? But the the, the thing that the mature bucks like about those thermal hubs is they can live in there on any wind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, wind changes; they can move a very short distance, to stay right. safe.
0: If they get a wind switch during the day, they don't have to really leave the area, right? Yeah. Um, so can you talk about a little bit on how you can kind of tell how bucks are going to leave their bed in the hills versus coming into the bed in the mornings and how bucks like to use hills to come into their bed?
1: So, uh, in the morning, the bucks like to drop below the bed or come in from below, Mm uh, even if they're coming from above, they'll hook to the below most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then they'll come straight up to their bed, nose into the wind, smelling uh, the bed before they get there. And when they get there, they'll turn around when they hit the where the wind's coming over the top of the hill. And yep. they'll look down their back trail. And um, there's the thermals are dropping at the time they go to the bed. So they're able to actually walk nose to wind where during the day the thermals are rising, right? Yeah. So, so they're actually able to walk wind to nose. It's actually a thermal wind until they hit the breeze coming over the top and they can smell the top. Then they spin around, they watch that back trail and they bed there. And, uh, it's actually pretty ingenious if you think about it, because the, how does anything even get near them? You know, they're smelling above them, you know, you know, they're coming in with the, um, to a spot where they can see below them and watch their back trail. And when the thermals kick in, they can, they can smell down there too. So it's kind yeah. of ingenious. Um, yeah. But in the evening, when they leave, they just get up and go. It's like they trust the area. Now, this is my theory. Obviously, I'm not a deer. I can't think like one. But my yeah. theory is they've been laying there all day. They think they know what's going on around it. They just get up and they go. They go to where they're going to go feed. Now, they go out slow. In my opinion, they have what I call a safe zone an area around them that they believe if any deer penetrated that area, or I mean any predator or person penetrated that area, they'd know about it where they'd either hear them, see them, or smell them. And when they get up, they're going to do the slow walk to the edge of that, you know, and try to not leave that area until dark. Now that area is going to change in shape and size based on the terrain and the, uh, cover and stuff like that. Um, but your goal should be to get to the edge of that safe zone where you can shoot into there. But that deer doesn't know you're there. Yep, exactly. Um, No, no, when they uh, come in in the morning, that's really hard to hunt. Because in the morning, they're literally, you you know, coming in from a different direction each time because the wind changes slightly each time, you know what I mean? mm -hmm. So they, they might come around one side or another side of the point. So it's not necessarily the same spot. And if they come from above, go down there and they hook in, you got to accurately guess where they're going to hook or you're going to be set up upwind of them. Yeah. So it's not an easy task. So really in the mornings, I tend to hunt a little further back, try to determine where they're coming from and get a little further away from the bed. I know All some right. guys try to hunt right over the top of the bed, but it's pretty iffy whether or not they bust you with uh, the dropping thermals.
0: Right. Let's talk about that a little bit more in like detail. Let's, let's act like this right here just because it's a little easier to see for everybody than that little hub. Uh, let's say a buck is bedding, you know, right here on a west wind, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say this down here is a cornfield. It's not this creek and crap. And he's he's eating here at night, and he he makes his way down this valley in the morning, and he's going to come up to, you know, this point Mm -hmm. with the wind coming out of the west with his nose to the wind, come up here, do his J-hook, and then lay right here and watch down into the, the valley. Mm-hmm. Like if you were going to tell someone, someone's like, I want to go kill that deer in the morning, what where would you recommend someone sitting at?
1: Down in that valley before you get to that draw.
0: Okay. And I'll obviously down. come
1: Further down. Right about there. Okay. Some somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. Be. And then I'm not burning out that uh that bed for an evening either. But then yeah. again, I mean I wouldn't be that far off on a, uh I'd probably be that, that spot too. If it was an evening and he's dropping, I'd have to be in that area too.
0: Yeah. But it could be
1: different. You could have that deer, you know, up top going in on the same wind. Maybe he's coming from the acorns. Yeah. He
0: he could come up here.
1: Well, well, let's just say go, go down a little from that point. Like where all the points come together below it. Right here. Yeah. So let's say he's up there eating acorns, even maybe even a little further back. Yeah, he could be up back in here. Yeah, and then you got to set up on him. Now how is he getting to that bed if it's a, a south wind southwest, wind southwest wind.
0: Southwest wind. Mhm. How is he getting he, uh he probably have to probably he might he may drop down in here or something and come back around.
1: Right? Or he may go up the top and get halfway up that point, drop down and spin around and Yeah, and like off. this. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Or he might go around that whole other side ridge and just slowly min- yonder his way to below and come up. Yeah. But that's what makes the mornings tough. So then right. I would probably be where that joint is, where all those points come together wherever the trail shows that you know they're they're coming from, somewhere back in there. Yeah. Get him before he gets to that spot where he's gonna drop.
0: Yeah. It's tough to know.
1: It is. I mean, mornings can rock towards rut. But uh, outside of the rut, um, it's pretty hard to get them, you know, in these bedding areas. And even during the rut, when you hunt them in the mornings, I I'm, I tend to kill more or see more on uh, rut funnels than I do in bedding. I've killed like, uh, I want to say two mature bucks in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's another one, uh, but I know of two off the top of my head that I've shot in the mornings, but I've shot like 40 of them in the evenings. Yeah. It's not to say I haven't killed other bucks in the morning, but not in bedding areas,
0: right? Or
1: not adjacent to bedding areas,
0: right? Right. Yep. Um. Okay. That is a. That's a good. That's a good morning example. Um. And I'll. I'll I want to talk about the red a little bit too in hills a little bit here. Here in just a mm-hmm. few minutes, so remind me. But uh, let's do a different valley over here. Let's say, Hmm. Man, these do these ridges do suck for a West wind. Let's say, um, I don't like that either. We'll use this one. Let's say there's a, uh, another bed, right, right here. Um, there's a buck using that. How, how in the, in the evening, it would be kind of the, the same, same theory. Right. Um, and let's say like maybe back in here is some white oaks or something. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy would just have to get get find this bed right now and then get out of sight and smell of uh, that buck and get set up somewhere, you know, off his wind back in here probably. The
1: first thing you'd have to determine is um, if you found those beds is what wind is he bedding there on. Yeah. So it looks to me like there could be bedding in there um, all the way around that point Mm -hmm. for pretty much any westerly wind. You could even have an easterly wind and get up over the top point, right? Yeah right but um you'd want to go in there and look at the beds i would think a a, a deer could be bedding in that thermal home hobble tub to the right too or i mean to the left that we already looked at yeah right so so i would uh i would want to look at the beds look at the trails coming out and determine what winds they are there on mm-hmm. if they're just in that tip where you were just pointing at i would say it's just westerly winds right And then I would look at the trail coming out and I'd think about when can I, where can I get to where I can hunt on a westerly wind yeah, and and set up. And it would just be as close as I could possibly get to that bed along that trail, heading towards those oaks without Mm -hmm. him knowing I'm there. Yep. Right where you're at, probably. Yep.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what everybody, you just have to think about that whenever you're in there, about about where's the bed at, what wind's it going to be on, and how can I get in there? On that wind, because he's not going to be there, but the wind's not there, without him smelling me. Because they set up so that they can, you know. So
1: my ears are ringing right now, so, uh, um, and I can just hear the thoughts going in people's heads.
0: Okay. Um,
1: yeah, but what if I haven't pre-scouted this? What if I'm on a road trip? What if I, yeah. um, I'm in a new area? What if I heard of some buck? Well, then I think I'm I'm probably walking that top, right up on the top, mm-hmm. looking at sign, and like up here. something like there or or even where you were just at
0: yeah i just this road's annoying
1: okay all right yeah oh i couldn't see the road yeah i see it
0: now yeah i just use this as an example so
1: so you go down at that point or this and you find trails coming out of there yeah find trails coming out of those points like where you were just at get back down there right down there you know go a little to the right right where everything meets
0: yeah this right here
1: yeah somewhere right in there you should find sign coming off of one of them points yep well, then you can take an educated guess on which point he's on based on the mm-hmm. sign coming up and out of those ridges and then decide, you know, based on your, your phone map or whatever and the openness of the terrain, how close you want to get and try. You yeah, don't have yeah. to necessarily know where that bet is. You just have to understand how betting works. Right. And then, and then you can slip down that point as close as you can. Maybe you can use a side hill on the opposite side to hide yourself a little bit. Right. Um, whatever you got to do. You got to think about the wind and it, and on the wind that you have. Which point do you think you'll be on? You know, which side? I mean, these points are pretty extreme. It looks like they could be betting around most of them on just about any wind,
0: but right, right. Um, that that's kind of what I did in Ohio. I mean, that that my not not the the deer I killed, but that deer I uh, the second day I was there, I almost killed. Um, I found that scouting around. You know, I didn't. That I didn't go into that bedding area. It, the you guys can imagine, like, there was a road in this particular uh piece of public that kind of went on the top of a ridge like this. Mm -hmm. And as I was walking that ridge, I noticed like a really nice buck rub right off the um right off the road. And Mm -hmm. you know, I looked out and there was like a point that was kind of like this right here that kind of circled back around and then went down into a valley. Um, and I, uh, you know, I just ended up scouting that, uh, that rub line essentially to where I thought I was close enough to that point where those bucks would be bedding, but far enough away or wasn't going to bother him. And I would have been sitting like right in here somewhere if this was the Ohio point I was on, which it's not, but, um, you know, and that, the, that buck got up and, uh, you know, walked down like this and then he. He sensed something and ended up spooking and going the other way. But, you know, three more steps and I'd shot him. So but I also, you know, I also kept my wind. You know, I circled I came in down through here and got in here without, you know, I didn't I didn't go willy-nilly coming in here and looking around and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I just had fresh sign, big tracks, and I was near a betting point or what looked like could be a good betting point. Something else they'll come to in the hills, if you guys have a, like that green briar, a lot of times on tops of ridges, there'll be a lot of green briar, and deer really like to eat that stuff.
1: Who don't? It's good right. stuff.
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. Oh, uh, another terrain feature that gets brought up in hills is uh, like crowfoot crow, foot, or crow Mm-hmm. or turkey foots, depending on what you want to call it. I'm trying to find a real good one that's real obvious. When would you hunt a, a crow's foot, Dan? This is kind uh, of a crow's foot. I mean, when
1: they're not too huge. Um, they yeah. got to be kind of. Uh, you know, if you're going to hunt the the uh, the old school way that people say to use a crow's foot, which is right where all the toes join, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, um, it needs to be a short distance to each point. Yeah. However. I will say that uh, when I've seen those bedding scrapes in Hill Country, that's where I found them
0: on the crow's foots?
1: Yeah, right in the right. Yeah, in the middle of them where all the trails from each point meet.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find a good crow's foot, but I'm not seeing one. We just have to use that. The one you were at
1: wasn't that bad that we were looking at. That's no, it's right. a
0: it's a it's a little bigger than I'd like to see. Like if this was up yeah, here, like, yep. You know,
1: you know where it's, it's kind like, of like right there is kind of a crow's foot, down at the base, like a little bit below your marker. Yeah, right here. He said he got, like, a toe chopped off.
0: So like a, <laughs> a yeah, girl. yeah, but there's a ridge here, here, and here. that come together right here. Wow. Yep. Like, this would be a really good one if it was just a little tighter. Like, if this was over here and maybe this was, yep. you know, um, be a little bit of a, a tighter. But that's that'd be a really good crow's foot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It seems like every crow's foot I find anymore right here is a crow's foot. That's a crow's foot too. Uh, yeah. every crow's foot I find anymore. There's a trail camera on it or, a, uh, you know, a stand in the middle of it or something already. seems like it's, a, those are pretty popular. Um, right. There's a good thermal hub. Is that the one we were just looking at? No, but anyway, what else did, is there anything else we need to cover in the Hills? I'm going to get to a bunch of, qu- I'm sure I haven't been looking at the comments at all. I bet we have a bunch of questions. Switches any questions. Um, hmm, I know someone asked, Someone had a, I did not uh, film for a vlog at the Wisconsin show, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't realize people would like that uh, little behind the scenes thing I did so much.
1: A vlog at the show? You mean of the... The
0: Ohio. Yeah, the Ohio one. The Ohio vlog I put up. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a pretty me? good
1: show. When I saw that, I was like, oh, man, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. You didn't do one of Wisconsin, you mean, right? No, I didn't. Did I say Ohio? I meant Wisconsin.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't. We filmed, like, stuff for shorts and whatnot, but we didn't... Are you going to
1: do a show with the seminar?
0: Yeah, we have the seminar filmed. Tim Tim um filmed it for us. So I got a, I just got that from him uh, yesterday. I'm trying oh. to find the question. I saw it before we get into the... Um,
1: I thought I saw something about uh, um, the hoodies and shirts, but I have a hard time reading those comments.
0: Um, you got any hoodies and shirts left? I got shirts left. I don't have any hoodies left, unless you're a medium. I have one medium hoodie left. I'll give you a deal. If someone wants to message me on Facebook, I'll sell you that sh- hoodie for a, a good deal. <laughs> yeah, we—I yeah, we, we... Uh,
1: I think I got a small one left. I know. Um, I think your last day, your wife said I had uh, two small ones left, and I said uh, she could take one. Um, yeah. I—I I don't think I have much left at all. I think I got some those black beast shirts, and I got a few green ones. But I think I got odd sizes, mm-hmm. so I'm going to reorder. Yep. So, yeah. So.
0: Yep, same. How to Put them for sale. I got a handful of shirts left. I got like one, two X, and a few XLs, and some larges, and some smalls. But uh, I love not these a lot. green ones. That I'm wearing. Yeah, yep. So I, I have know. some hat. I
1: it's have some hats bad. still. Those, these things are cool. Yeah, hunt those ready. Are, That's what Eric calls them. Eric said they're hunt
0: ready. Hunt ready. <laughs> hunt ready. Sure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mike asks, Oops, I hit. I hit the wrong question. We can answer this. And you ever hunted the Milk River in Montana? Dan, did you ever hunt the Milk River when it was the Milk River? You I know what I, I mean? Walk, but it was, um,
1: I'm not sure if it was the Milk River or not. I thought it was, mm-hmm. but it was a small river.
0: The Milk River used to be the place to be for Whitetail. And it, yeah, it, uh,
1: I was somewhere in that range. I had, uh, well, you remember when we were talking before when I used to get in all those contests? Uh huh. I, I won some giant contests and I got to, I got to pick, um, if I wanted to go, uh, whitetail hunting, elk hunting, antelope hunting, or black bear hunting. And like a idiot when I was young and addicted to whitetails, I picked whitetails.
0: Yeah. Went
1: to Montana. That's the, that's the trip where I, uh, blew the head gasket. I mean, I yeah. uh, uh, tranny. Yeah. What kind of tranny? Get that out of your mind.
0: Right. <laughs> but,
1: uh, I blew the tranny on the way out there and I uh, got stranded and all that crap and, All I saw was about a 125-inch buck, and I I let him live. Yeah. I saw a lot of bucks, but that was the only one I saw that was even at all tempting.
0: Yeah. Long trip. I never hunted Montana. Uh, Stan asks, what time does Dan start work?
1: (laughs) His wife, Jill, wants to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. This morning, I got to work at 3.30. It's about an hour drive for me to get there. 45 minutes to an hour. So I get up at like uh, one or two in the morning. Usually I don't know what time I got up. I don't even remember driving to work.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't know how you I do get
1: it, up Dan. The time the hot metal chips
0: start hitting me. At work? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Dual thread outdoors. He has a hill country question. Dan, in areas where there's immense cover, like mountain laurel, multi floor rose, green briar, all across the ridge. Is bedding just dictated by food in that situation, in, in your opinion?
1: No, it's still uh, indicated by uh, cover, but they might bed closer to food. And uh, I've seen them bed in Mountain Laurel on windward sides, pretty good. But they'll bed in it almost like uh, like you'd see in cattails or CRP or something where they're using some sort of cover or something in there to bed. But it's, it seems like the bucks still have some great spot with good escape. And they, they like the draws and stuff where they can get into like a tight draw or something along that ridge or some sort of feature um, where they can get a, a benefit of swirling winds or something. But I've seen them, I, I know what you're getting at. And uh, in the mountain laurel, they can, they bed in there a lot. And a lot of times uh, I think that is on the windward side. And there's one side of the mountain that grows more on.
0: Yeah, go back and listen to Paul on that mountain one. I can't remember. I can't remember what he said now, but he we talked about that. I remember talking about that. They definitely like to bed in. Um,
1: I experienced Greenbrier. that in California. It was uh, that uh, mountain lore is pretty cool stuff.
0: Do you Use a turkey vest when you turkey hunt, Dan. No, I have one, and it I tear I tear them up like crazy. Someone was just talking about turkey vest on here.
1: So why do you wear a turkey vest just because it holds all your calls and stuff yeah i've uh... have, you ever, have you ever heard me call yeah i know i don't need no calls <laughs> <laughs> I take one i take a box call It's about all i could handle yeah and, uh a shotgun and some shells i just worry about being camouflaged with turkeys turkeys you got to have camel yeah they will bust you yep yeah. they got such good vision
0: Yep, for sure. Thanks, Elizabeth, for the donation. She says, this is the only sponsorship that matters. You definitely are one of the top sponsors, Elizabeth. Um, it was really nice meeting you this weekend, Elizabeth. Yeah, it was. Well, we met Elizabeth this weekend in Wisconsin.
1: Too bad it's so busy and I didn't have much time to keep talking to you. It's just, it's nuts there. That yeah, was really a good show. Oh, man, there was a lot of people there. We didn't even talk much about that. It no. was, uh, that show was packed the whole time. Our booth was packed. I never, uh, I never sat down all weekend while we we're at the
0: show. No, it was insane. Especially Saturday. I mean, it was just elbows to elbows in the, in the hunting beast booth.
1: Yeah, we, it was, it was a fun time too. We had quite the crew cause we had Jack, uh, right in the booth with us. Yeah. Um, gum
0: leaf was right next to us. And the then,
1: booth. and he, he, uh, didn't even have any boots and he just came to hang out and show people. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Lou right next to him.
0: Yep. And, Lou and uh, Dan.
1: Yeah, Lou and Dan and uh didn't even get to spend much time with him because Lou was uh um just overwhelmed with business over there too and then uh beside him was uh Prime Bows and uh we had yep. the whole uh everybody with the beast was all together over there and we Yeah. Were going I, Together, what do we have, like 17 people?
0: Yep, we have 17 people Mm -hmm, together.
1: The bill bill was almost 500 bucks.
0: Yeah, it was fun.
1: Uh, Carol was looking through my receipts and she was like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I hope you sold a lot of shirts.
0: (laughs) Yep, we did. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, Here's a question about the expo. What was the most difficult part of both the expos for you both? Mm.
1: Difficult part?
0: Um, it's just a long. It's just a long day because you're driving to him from. from. <laughs> yeah, driving to him from. Yeah. Just to ask Eric. He's
1: out there someplace. I saw him online. <laughs> yeah. I was, going to the, uh, I was going to the hotel with Eric, and uh, um, there was a light shining on the uh, road by the hotel, and the one curb from the um road going into the hotel um looked like this side of the road which it was but a little further up was a a uh in the sidewalk and it the way the light was shining it made it look like the road was a little over than where it was yeah and uh i was trying to speed up to get a break in the um traffic to turn over there and i turned in there and realized that that wasn't a road it was actually it was the way the light was shining on it It was somebody's lawn and Mm -hmm. uh i I had somebody just speeding at me and i had to keep going and i drove up onto somebody's lawn and had to turn around and come off. oh no eric was in hysterics laughing
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep so that was the
1: hardest part was just getting to and from me driving um uh I don't know. Were you nervous about the uh, talking?
0: Uh yeah, a little bit. That's always like a. You seemed
1: like you were at the end. It was kind of funny. You were really good at the beginning, and then you seemed a little nervous. At yeah, time. like
0: randomly at, and I'm I apologize for anybody that was there for this one, but like I was rock solid on all twelve freaking uh, other seminars we did, and then like in the middle of Saturday, I just had like an anxiety attack during it. <laughs> I had to like stop and take some take a deep breath and keep going, but it was alright. I, I, I mean
1: that- the paramedics yes. got here right away, and <laughs> it wasn't that bad.
0: It was just a pause for a minute, and say, "Give <laughs> me a second for it. and then I, I was good again. But yeah. yeah, I was sitting there. I was sitting there talking. All of a sudden, I just was like, just a wave of anxiety hit me, which I, was I don't know.
1: Because uh, I,
0: I was a vision.
1: You did a lot of that with your last job.
0: I did. I do. I do. I have anxiety like with that kind of stuff, but I, I figured out how to control it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think, a lot of yeah, people I think the lot thing that bothers
1: me is I don't do well in memorized stuff. So I think we yeah. work good for the team. I would much rather go to those shows and do like a, a live show and do questions. Like and an
0: improv to questions. Uh, yeah.
1: But, you know, obviously the sh- a show like that wants to hire me to do seminars. They don't want me to right. do a live show. So,
0: yeah. You go to
1: Michigan, yeah. we'll do a live show at that show. You know, though,
0: Dan, we could probably pitch like – they don't have to be called a live show, we could, we could be just pitched like a QA with Dan Infault, that may get like a lot of traction. Right. I mean, uh, I don't like
1: after the draw we did, uh, they'll be calling me again because uh, the staff at uh, um, the, the Sportsman's Expo um said they were uh, really impressed with the number of people that were at our booth and in the seminars. And we went yeah. by other seminars, I mean, they had a fraction of the people we had in ours so. Mm-hmm. So Maybe yeah. they'll ask back and maybe we'll uh do that next time. The questions and answers it's really easy,
0: yeah, yeah, it, it's easy for everybody, and, and then people will get to hear what they want to hear too, you know what I mean? If that makes sense, yeah.
1: you have um, another season like you had last year, and they'll be like, Uh, Dan, who <laughs> oh, we want, up there. uh,
0: we'll see, um. The, the the seminar though as far as like what the hardest part is it's just a long day like you guys it's it's 9 to 7 p.m 9 a.m to 7 p.m so it's just a it's a long day it but is a long it's day good. I mean, it was hard to stay on my
1: feet that long yeah uh one thing that was hard for me is that i was getting pulled from every direction and um there was a lot of people that i wanted to talk to that i just didn't have the time right right yeah you were still bad right the booth like uh like other companies and stuff telling me they want to talk to me and uh stopped by their booth and I I just couldn't get out of the booth and go over there and stuff. If any of those people are listening, I apologize. They want to look me up. They can look me up now. Yeah.
0: You always feel bad whenever you're, you're sitting there talking to someone, you can see there's other people, you know, trying to talk to you and, but they can't sit there and wait forever. You know, it's like, "Ah, I wish you could figure out a way to have it, have it more organized, but it is what it is. Yeah, they, they,
1: we really get to walk around at all and look at things is like before the show opens, and right when the people usually ain't at their booths yet, and
0: right. Um, okay, Josh and Dan, how come you guys don't do any still hunting with a bow? Obviously, you both do your scouting and hunting and hunting the, and hunting the bedding areas in the evening, typically out of your beast stand.
1: I think you do it more than I do.
0: Yeah, I've killed some deer still hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it's not my preferred way of going about it I guess is why I don't do it but if if you like doing it better than stand hunting then that's what I would do you know So
1: so for me um there's there's two reasons Number 1 I suck at still hunting now, I've killed some deer doing that but it's just uh it's hard I think the best I've done still hunting is sneaking into uh buck bedding areas and trying to shoot them in their bedding areas and then I feel like I'm ruining a bedding area but it's worked for me And uh, um I've, I used to do it, like, on the spots where you can't possibly get near the buck, like, when they got that perfect spot. Or i do it, like, gun season after the rut's over and everything, and it's just, like, the last draw. And, and I've killed some big bucks in my earlier years with that method, um, but mostly with gun. If you remember, uh, I finally snuck in and shot that uh, the biggest buck I ever shot by crawling in with a, a shotgun and shooting it in its bed. He was laying in the shot and I rose up 20 yards from and shot and I could have easily done it with a bow. I just didn't have the confidence. And afterwards I was like, I could have did that with my bow, (laughs) you know, but uh, the real reason I don't do it and why I don't do it more is because it's not what I like to do. Um, Everybody's got their thing. And I mean, if you, if you enjoy that, you should do it by all means. Um, I would never knock a guy for the way that they hunt. But for me, there's something about the chess match between me and the buck that I'm hunting. Um, what people don't realize is that the majority of time when I shoot a buck, it's a buck I am hunting. I'm hunting that deer, and I'm, I've developed a pattern on him. And I'm trying to guess where he's bedding, and I'm trying to guess where he's feeding. And, and in a lot of cases, there might be, you know, you know, two or three thousand acres he lives in. And I'm trying to put myself in the one tree, in the one spot on the right wind that I, you can kill them. Yeah. And to me, when that comes together, it, that is my uh, enjoyment out of hunting. And uh, it's not just that, but it's the chase. It's the um, being in the game. That you're hunting a mature buck and that's what you're doing. And to me, it takes away from it when I, you start blowing tooting on calls or running through the woods with a bow just trying to shoot one. Um, even the drives, I mean, ain't that fun, but that's different. That's camaraderie. And, uh, but bow hunting, I just like the one-on-one with a certain animal. And, um, I don't know if I'd even want to shoot Mm -hmm. one. I would probably take the shot if I walked up to my target animal and he's standing there, Mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't get the pleasure out of it as, um, like that last buck I shot two seasons ago. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. hunting that animal for three years I finally put the pieces together in an impossible situation where I probably should have gave up and just found some weak link I was missing and, and ended up figuring out his, his betting routine for September and killing him. Um, to me, when the buck you think is bedded, there comes walking out where you expect them and you shoot him, There's nothing better than that.
0: Yeah. Something else with, uh, still hunting It's super hard to sell film still hunting. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you guys would be mad because we wouldn't get anything on camera. Um, yeah, let's see here. Yeah, everybody. Some people are saying hit the like button. I agree. Hit the like button. It really help us out. Here's and a trend feature.
1: Subscribe, subscribe, please.
0: Yeah, yeah if you haven't subscribed to, yeah, uh, consider subscribing and hitting the like button. Yeah, George asked a question that I forgot to bring up in Hills, and he says, "Do you still?" look at saddles as possible rut spots, or are you looking more for funnels that aren't seen on a topo map? seems like every saddle has a hunter stand in November.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I look at both, but uh, I mean, if you're in obvious spots and have heavily pressured areas, there's going to be guys in the saddles. Um, But um, I found plenty of saddles and, you know, like down by you, Josh, I found Mm -hmm. plenty of saddles down there that didn't seem to have any pressure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it is definitely a terrain feature that is known and yeah. obvious on maps. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. So They're not, they don't of,
1: all work either. I mean, you look at saddles yeah. on a on a map, and it, sometimes they look great, and you get in there and they suck. I think one thing that makes a saddle look, work great is if, like, when we were looking at that map, mm-hmm. if you find a saddle on that map, you look and you see bedding features on both sides of it that cover a lot of winds. Yeah. They right. got to have a reason to want to travel through it, and if it's rut, they're going to travel through it because there's bedding on both sides, and they're traveling from one bedding area to the other to see what's going on, um, or there's food on one side and bedding on the other side, but there's got to be some reason to pull them through that way.
0: Yep, it's good. Good point. Good tip for saddles. Um, dual thread outdoors. Ask Dan. Do you approach your early season bedding hunting in hill country any different than? do in swamps?
1: It's still looking at the beds or trying to guess where the bedding is and cutting them off as close as possible. It's pretty much the same. The biggest difference is it's really a little harder to get close to them in, in hills. Mm. Um, especially the leaves drop, you start getting that that just noisy leaves are it's difficult. But a lot of times you can have a lot of open terrain between you and the deer bed. And a lot of times they get up and drop down and they're coming right at you in open terrain, and you just can't get set up in between in in a a reasonable
0: distance. Right, right. GoPro Stickman, he says, high winds and bad weather, do you see more uh, activity lower?
1: Uh, I definitely see more activity in high winds on calm hillsides, like the leeward side again. Maybe just a little lower than, uh, up where the wind is. They tend Mm -hmm. to get a little lower, uh, in elevation. Um, and bad weather, you usually have a dropping thermal in bad weather. And then you do find the deer at the bottom of the hills instead of the tops, which puts them down in the the low areas. So, um, uh, yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes people though, um, underestimate like a deer's bad weather and our bad weather, you know, they're, uh. I don't know. It take a lot for a deer to really, um. Yeah, I would think its...
1: bad weather means some pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. I've been out. In like, 20 I, I, 20
0: to me, goes. I don't, I don't think like a, a little rain isn't probably not going to be enough for a deer to be like, oh, I gotta get out of this stuff, you know. Yeah,
1: but a little rain can change the thermal activity. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. drop them a little bit.
0: Hmm. But I don't think they're going to be like, oh crap! I gotta get out of this uh, rain and go on the other side of the mountain. Right, or that, or the
1: yeah. A little rain ain't going to hold them in a leeward spot. They're still going to go to the areas they want to go in right. and the direction they want to go. Yeah. But high winds and nasty, you know, like high winds with vertical rain, that'll put them on a side hill for sure on the, on the leeward side.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh, send them prayers to Zeke's mom. It sounds like she's in the hospital tonight, so Oh, That's too bad. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Hopefully, everything works out. and his dad uh, at the show. He was there. He picked up. Yep. Yep. You and Zeke have you and Zeke's dad have something in common. Dan, did you know Zeke's uh, a little hair on the face? Yeah, his dad. I think his uh, his dad is like one of uh, eighteen siblings.
1: Oh really? Yep. So he's got me beat there.
0: Yeah. You're you the 11.
1: child on the 11th day.
0: Yep. The 11th child on the 11th day?
1: Yep. January 11th was my birthday, and I was 11th child.
0: Uh, he says he has 300 cousins. 300 cousins? Holy crap. Yeah. That's what he told me.
1: Our family's actually not that big. It's just uh, I had a lot of brothers and sisters. They didn't have a lot of kids. Yeah.
0: I thought I had a lot of cousins. I have like 30 and you got me beat for sure. <laughs> um all right. Questions. Question. If you know there's going to be a wind shift, say at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, do you ever hunt a buck gambling that he will get up and change beds and set up accordingly?
1: Uh I have I haven't had it work out. Um and I've seen bucks get up and shift. But the trouble with it is, is a lot of times the mature bucks are on points and stuff where the shift is not very far and getting close can be very hard. Yeah. So getting within that uh, shift window is the difficult uh, task. There are places when you can do it, if it's like a one eighty shift, like if they're on a point, but sometimes um, if they got to move a long distance, I've seen them just stay in the bad wind spot. They'll change how they bed. Like they'll, They'll uh, get up a little higher, look downwind or something, but they just don't want to cover ground. If that makes sense to you, they'd yeah. rather they'd rather find a way to uh, use the spot they're in. They do shift for sure, but I just think the shift distance is is quite often not far enough to uh, to get between the two spots. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've I've never tried to time that. I guess I've always, you know, I'm always like conscious of, okay, there's going to be a wind shift at four. I need to, you know, hunt I can, proper... go ahead. I can remember sitting on uh, some points in,
1: in Buffalo County and watching bucks get up and shift quite a, quite a distance where I thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, I might've been able to get in between that, mm-hmm. but, uh, right. but I didn't try.
0: Never worked out. Yeah. yeah. So Joe asked, Do you play the wind or play the thermals, which can be challenging for myself? I guess example is a southern wind predominant, but I hear of people saying that during winter hunt. Uh, I'm not sure about that last sentence there, Joe, but play the wind or play the thermals, Dan?
1: Well, you got to play both. That's that's the trick of it. Um, With that said, there's been times I set up on the wrong wind where it's a little bit off, a little bit not where I want it to be because I know the thermals are going to kick in um, at a certain point and outpower the wind. I've done that because the, the thermals will rule. You can beat the wind, you can't beat the thermals. The thermals, they they're repeat themselves and they do what they do every time. I mean, you could get a real cold front and that keeps the thermal from rising or something, but they drop when they drop and you can't really beat them, so... But to that said, uh, you should be trying to play both. You should have two wins to worry about, the eyes, the, you know.
0: Yeah. Hill's are tricky. Yep. Ron's Garage asked, do you guys think Bucks bed high in the daytime and low at night? I see does doing that same pattern every day.
1: Yeah, mm. pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. I see him mainly bedding high they've in that top third Uh those tend to bed a little higher than them usually, but not always. Um, sometimes they bed right where the bucks bed, depending on the number of does and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, bucks bed high in the daytime and lower at night. Well, I don't know he t- if he's talking about bedding at night. I don't know. Sometimes they bet up high at night too. They just bet all over the place at night, Yeah, but they do bed in kind of, uh, um, actual bedding areas um which i i uh, discovered that about uh 10 years ago um which for me is relatively new mm-hmm. we had uh cameras in bedding areas where we were never seeing the deer and we noticed that uh all these bucks were coming in like an hour after dark and bedding and it was a established bedding area like a bedding point
0: mm-hmm.
1: we had all these pictures of these bucks coming in there and a the sign was there i mean we had all these big beds and we had rubs and the beds were up against an obstacle and everything else. Not what you would think would be a nighttime feeding bed. Right. But when we put cameras in there, the cameras, um, over a long period of time only took pictures of bucks in their at night bedding
0: hmm.
1: and chewing their cud. So there were night beds. And right. I wouldn't have known that I wouldn't even have suspected it without a camera. So they do bed. And I saw some of those beds like at Dave's house too in farm country and some of them in the swamp. Where they look like great bedding areas, and they end up being night beds. Um, right.
0: Austin has a really good question. How are you catching these crows to hunt on their feet? Well, that's, that's a that's a dead end well,
1: fault joke there. Be, uh, hiding them. <laughs> hiding a hollow log, and just when they go to land on the top, grab them by the feet. That's the only way we can do it.
0: <laughs> you ever <catch> a crow? <laughs> No, I've never got caught a crow. I've only
1: caught one. I caught it in a cage trap. I never, I never, uh, oh, I caught one that was wounded one time that was shot. Somebody had shot it in the wing, and I, I took it home and had it for a pet for a while when I was a kid and uh, tried to heal it up. And uh, I would feed it hamburger and bread and stuff, and uh, it stunk so bad that my mom told me to get rid of it. Oh, really? And, then, and um, um, my girlfriend at the time was like, Well, you got to take it to the to the animals in need place, and I took it there, and they said we're gonna kill it. It's, you know, it's got a wound, and I was like, well, geez, man. Yeah. And then they killed it, and and they wouldn't give it back once I brought it there because it's a wild animal. And I was pissed that they were gonna kill it. Really. Stupid question like that, you get some stupid story.
0: <laughs> Come to find out, I mm-hmm. do I do catch crows. though. that's funny. You must have a thing with uh, women that have a soft spot for animals, Dan.
1: Yeah, well, i got a soft spot for animals.
0: I know. but yeah. Right behind his shoulder. A lot of people... I <laughs> hope <laughs> uh, Carol did not hear that one. Yeah. Uh, no, it's... She's heard I it. Too, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. A lot of people are asking about my hoodie. Yeah, I'll make some more sometime. Um, for sure, those camel hoodies. Yeah, the camel one over went over well. well, yeah. Yeah, they're just expensive, so I feel bad for charging people that much for wow. a hoodie, but if they're buying it i guess they, they want them
1: if they want uh, it they'll pay that i mean yeah I don't see problem with it
0: we did see the same hoodie that was printed differently for even more than what i was charging for so it made me feel a little bit better about charging that much but um okay joshua vaughn asked first sit is almost always your best chance but how far are you moving in the same area if that first sit wasn't successful what distance qualifies as not hunting the same spot or tree to you guys? I get asked
1: that a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's a hard question to answer because every scenario is a little different. Um, I would say if you're hunting the same trail coming out, you're, you're probably, um, you're probably uh, ruining the spot. But I might hunt the same in area and hunt three different exits three different days. And I would do that as fast as possible before that deer comes out or goes in away and smells where you had been. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would want to hunt those three exit trails as fast as possible, but, uh, they could be relatively close. They could be a hundred yards or 200 yards away. Um, but for the most part, I'm usually at a whole different bedding area. Yeah. Um, What will keep me and and make me hunt in a spot again and make a, a small movement is if I saw a deer, heard a deer or have a reasonable, a reason to believe that there was a deer there I didn't see.
0: Ricky Pooh says Dan gives me crap for wearing a turkey vest. Shocking. Yeah, can't believe that. Well, <laughs> what you call it a turkey vest? is a winter coat.
1: <laughs> you can't afford an actual vest, yeah. so you went to you went to uh, uh, what is that place? Uh, Goodwill and got himself a a winter coat that's like gray, and he calls it a turkey vest.
0: Is that true, Rick? It's true. That's funny. The
1: the fur around the the hood is almost like a pink. Mm. I think it's a girl's coat.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, Rick. I didn't see that going that way. Jason asks, what's the closest show to Tennessee that you guys do? Probably Ohio is our closest, man. Hmm. Um, we're doing one in Michigan, in Kalamazoo, this, the Mobile Hunters Expo, this summer. But we don't get down south very often. Um, have that you ever show, done a –
1: The show was hinting about us doing Tennessee. I don't know why.
0: Hmm.
1: They, asked us, they asked us to do seminars in Kansas. We turned that down. But uh, they sent me a message, something about uh, – if we do something next year, they, they're interested in us doing Tennessee or something, something to that degree. Yeah. They have yeah. a show in uh, Wisconsin, Ohio, Tennessee, and, and what's the third one? The fourth one, Kansas. Right? Kansas, Kansas, yeah. Tennessee, Ohio and Wisconsin. So we could do it next year, I don't know. But I don't know that I want to do Tennessee. It's They're all back-to-back, and it's just a lot of work.
0: Yeah, it is. It's I'd, like, it's. I'd
1: like to do them all. Uh, we were yeah. talking about maybe uh, switching off. Like, uh, I love doing Wisconsin because I got such a big crowd here, um, and so do you because of the following here. But mm-hmm. uh, um, we could not do Ohio and then do Kansas, or not do Ohio and do Tennessee. Or
0: yeah, yeah. The problem for us is like you. I mean, you got a day job and. I mean it's just a lot for a guy. You know, I'm always I'm doing four different things and it's a long time to be away. Um right. To do all to do everything, you know. It's hard. I, I think
1: yeah. uh, you know, there's more of a like that Yeah. but I don't think it's gonna happen this year. I think we're gonna do one up in uh, we're gonna do like a, a show up in Michigan. Um, but I could see us doing some stuff. I mean the guy who was running the Michigan show is really hitting us up to do Tennessee too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to see how big the Michigan one is before I commit to that, because it doesn't sound like it's a big, very big event.
0: Yeah. Well, um, we've been on here for an hour and a half, and you I'm can take almost to... call? I guess I could. Let's, let somebody call in before you hang up. Okay. If you guys want to call in, let's do that. I got me and Dan talk something to talk about anyway before we leave. So we'll talk about that and wait for anybody to want to call in. I just put a link to call in. If you want to call in, make sure you, uh, you know, you're going to be live on camera here on YouTube. So just make sure you're in an appropriate spot and try to keep the, the yeah. four letter words to a minimum. Yeah. And wear some clothes. Yeah. Uh, please. Um, Dan, uh, you want to tell them what we're going to do Thursday with uh, your your mapping on the beast?
1: Yeah. Um, what we're planning on doing is, um, launching a live show on the hunting beast channel, mm-hmm. um, right before we come onto here and calling it the cyber detective. And what we're going to, what we're planning on doing is taking guests, um, from the show here. I mean, you, you tell us you want to be on it and, uh, take your property and we'll break it down and map scout it and then have you come on, tell us where we're wrong, where we're right, you know, um, and and discuss the property. And uh, I think it'll help people to learn how to read maps better. I think it will be a great learning tool. So if any of you got a good property, that'd be great for this, but there's one rule, it has to be private property. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. I mean, if we do public properties, there's gonna be um, people that hunt those properties that are gonna go berserk. So we want it to be private property that you hunt. And yeah. we, won't, we don't necessarily have to say where it is, but I think looking at the maps, a lot of people will figure it out. So you should probably have it locked up pretty good.
0: Right, right. Um, starting off here, we're going to have uh, Joe Miles on, who is the owner of Osseo. He, uh, he has a particular piece of property that's been real successful on, so we're going to break it down with him. Should be real fun. Yeah, no worries too it's
1: not like i'm gonna run it or something josh is gonna run it so it'll actually go smooth <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'll be the same format so i think our our goal we got like kind of twofold with it like obviously that it's a really cool idea and it'll help everybody but it will also give like people on the beast because there's a significant more people that watch that channel than this one so it'll give them like a feel of oh that's kind of cool maybe we should you know start watching these shows too so mm-hmm. it's just something we're we're working with, on, with
1: so. that said uh um if you don't mind me whining a little bit um YouTube has really um dropped our money how much they pay us mm, uh, yeah. what they're doing is um uh what i believe they're doing based on what they're telling us and what we're reading is they have uh um because of Rumble and uh, TikTok and Facebook Reels and stuff um they're they decided to uh, monetize everybody's videos that come onto the uh, YouTube platform. And because of that, they're spreading the ads real thin. Mm. So um, my money is down right now about, uh, I mean, I lost a couple thousand dollars, I think, from last yeah. year's money that I was making. I know you, you've been having a hard time. So what people could do to help with that is if we could get our uh, subscriber numbers up, it would help. So if you see a video you like or something, either on my channel or Josh's, Um, sharing that with people or sharing it on your own page, if you're on on social media, um, telling Mm -hmm. people about us would help dramatically. Yep.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. We have, so we got to look for that Thursday night. We're going to do that on, we're going to do that like an hour before we get on here. So we'll, we're going to have Joe on the hunting beast with the, the, uh, the map reading with him. And then after that's finished, we're going to hop over here and do an actual live show where you guys can ask questions and have a normal show. We'll talk to Joe about something. Um, Leave a comment. So, what do you
1: guys think about that format? Let us know yeah. if we're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah. All right. We got to call in Dan. Sure. Mike. Hey Mike. Hey. How you guys doing? It's Good. Long time, no see.
2: Yeah. it's You guys got a great show going. I, I generally have a list of questions going and, the questions are so great on this show they get answered all the time. Oh good. Josh, you the the question about hill hunting I had uh you you asked it right from the in the get go, so it was awesome. Good. Good. <laughs> so uh I'm gonna ask a question about uh the Cyber Scouting and show my ignorance to the whole thing. Uh, I I'm I'm not a computer guy, you guys already know that. uh and I but I see on the app that uh there's different pictures like winter picture or a summer picture or a fall picture and i don't know how to change or get to that so is there somewhere you go to learn how to do this stuff is there a site somewhere to figure this out or is it just playing around to figure it out
0: yeah it's it seems like you just got to play around with it i, I don't know exactly which uh, i know like google earth has a thing where you can change the time frame of the maps um Actually, we're we're thinking. Me and Jacob are going to do something together. Jacob, um, from the Hunt and Beast, Jacob, uh, and he's really good with mapping software. So we were going to go over like how to work all these mapping softwares and tools that maybe are hidden inside of them to help people like with the guidance on all that stuff. It's a really Cause I'm, good idea. yeah. Because I'm I uh, I feel your pain, Mike. I I feel like sometimes I see people do something on these maps. I'm like, oh, how did you do that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so i think jacob's working on like a little powerpoint to present on how to do all that kind of stuff and um i know that doesn't really answer your question right now but
2: well i uh uh i don't go to a whole bunch of different sites so that's kind of the other question uh i'm not i'm not trying to bash anybody or nothing but mostly i've been using this on thing and another uh, uh something that kind of bugs me about it it seems like all the pictures are old and Mm. i say that because i look at my own property and i know what was going on at what particular time and what i'm looking at and you know them pictures are five six eight years old sometimes and you know the woods changes so quickly around here with the logging and everything else Mm -hmm. uh it'd be nice to have more up-to-date stuff
1: it's whenever they take the picture yeah so uh when when we were at the show uh over the weekend i looked up the uh where we were on uh, uh, Onyx and the building where we were in didn't exist on Onyx.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They built it like a few years ago and it wasn't there on the mapping. Someone said that uh, Spartan Forge on the comments here has a, a map that you can change the dates on and, and the time frame. So Spartan forge, it's a pretty popular one. Cool. Uh,
2: sorry, Mike. Well, uh, can't hurt to ask. One yeah. uh, one other thing if you got the time. I uh there's the last few shows there's been some talk about uh antlers staying on late this year, and uh uh earlier in the show, Dan, you said something to the effect of uh it's testosterone, and I've always believed that that's that got a lot to do with it. Uh and I've often wondered, uh like a lot of the late season bucks I've seen over the years still holding their antlers seem to be uh uh either really good to and a half year olds or maybe three and a half year old deer. So I've often wondered is that, are they, are those deer holding their antlers? Cause they're the ones that are still actively looking for does, even though most of the does are bred or I is it?
1: I don't think that's the case. What, what I think is the case from um, looking at what goes on at deer farms and studies and stuff. I believe that uh, a deer in perfect health will drop his antlers on a certain date or around that date uh, every year, based on what they have genetically, and that's shown at deer farms where they're fed nice and they're kept in the same health and and that, um, I know deer farmers who've told me that uh, that they've got a notebook and within a couple days of the first time the deer shed every year they just shed the same time. However, in the wild, it's a little different because they got a lot more stresses. So you might see a, a lot of uh, your breeder bucks drop their antlers earlier because they're going to get a lot of stress from not eating and running around breeding during, during uh rut. You, you'll also see a wounded buck drop his antlers earlier. You'll also see in a, in a hard winter deer drop their antlers earlier. Um, but some deer even in perfect health will be dropping their antlers in December, maybe even November. And some of them will carry them to March, you know, and, and probably the majority of them are somewhere around, uh, end of January, early February, you know, but uh, they're all a little uh, different, and stress, in my opinion, is what really makes the difference of uh, them dropping early.
2: Have you ever seen them uh, make a rub into March when they're holding their antlers that late? I have not. I, I just found it work on a driveway. I drive down every day all winter long. I, I just found a rub uh, last uh, Friday, and I swear it couldn't have been more, more than 10 days old. It Mm. it had some bark still stuck to the tree. You know how when they rub it, everything's moist, and the bark will stick. The bark they rub off will stick to the tree. Yeah. And you know, a snow or a rain will wash that away eventually. It still had some of that bark stuck on the side of the tree. And when I touched it, just barely touched it, it fell off. So, and and you know, it still it wasn't tacky, but it was very white on a pine tree. So I was Mm. kind of shocked.
1: Yeah, seems seems a little late, but it's, I guess it's possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I
1: have seen a you know breeding going on in January. I mean, uh, when they have like a third rut, so I guess it's possible. Yeah,
2: yeah I I I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's older than that, and I never noticed it. But it, I drive down that driveway every day, and I I didn't notice it till last Friday.
0: Hmm. Never know.
2: Well, it's been good talking to you
0: guys. Yeah. Keep it up. It was a great show. Awesome. Thanks, Appreciate Mike. It. Thanks for calling in. Thank See you. Yeah. Bye. You ready to get off here, Dan? Sure. Everybody, thanks for hopping on. Make sure you hit the like button before you leave and subscribe. See you guys uh, Thursday.
1: See ya.